Welcome to the Cabling Podcast. Remember to punch down on that like button. And also, subscribe to Cabling News. Yeah, so in the as far as the, the standards development on the, the hyperscaler side though, um, like I said, they're you know, they're they're in the in the middle of you know task forces and work groups and really trying to figure out the 200 gig per lane technologies. So that'll be applicable for 200, 400, and 800 gig as well as 1.6 terabit gig Ethernet. Um, so that's I think that's the so I, I myself am not involved in the standards, but I've colleagues and uh, Ethernet a lot many Ethernet Alliance members are. Um, so I, that's a lot of where a lot of the the current focus is. Uh, last year they you know they wrapped up uh, kind of put the final final buttons on the CK um, 802.3 CK uh, standards which does which standardizes your 100 gig per lane technologies um, up to 400 gig and so they're um, you know we're we're looking at we're seeing a lot of more devices coming out that support those technologies while the you know the standards they have to work real hard to try and stay ahead of um, what people can uh, can do in a lab, so they're they're off figuring out the the 200 gig problem statements now. I mean, there are a number of other task forces going on for some of the the short reach fiber. There's a 802.3 dB that's looking at two and 400 gig or 100, 200, 400 gig short reach fiber, and then also a uh, 802.3 CW for the 400 gig DWDM. Uh, so those are those are there's task forces for those as well. Mm-hmm. Does the do the does the standards work and the standards being finalized uh, drive the uh, upgrade cycles in you know cloud data centers and other uh, you know, hyperscalers you know facilities that might be uh, uh, upgrading or uh, implementing uh, higher bandwidth uh, technologies? How does all that I work? Think, yeah, I think there's a there's definitely a, a correlation there. Um, the the fact is is that the standards. Like I said, they they have to, in order to be relevant, they have to stay ahead, or they have to stay at least competing with sort of the latest greatest um, uh, potential devices that are out there. But if you if you look at the you know what it takes for a technology to scale and to to really become broadly used in the market, the standards are historically have always been there in place before that happens. Right right now, the most prevalent Ethernet port type is is 25 gig and you know we're looking right now at a transition between 25 to 100 gig um but the you know the 100 gig standards have been have been done for almost a decade um so i i I think that there's uh you know there's there's a correlation right that the standards help make that a reality Um, but i don't know that the market i don't know that the you know, the infrastructure waits for it necessarily. I think it's just, that's kind of the natural flow of things that we've seen. Thanks for that answer. Uh, Peter, uh, back to single pair uh, ethernet and uh, the uh, IT and uh, OT uh, implications. Um, I know I asked you this, uh, I think uh, the last time uh, we were on an interview, uh, such of this, but um <clears throat> Are you seeing uh, more of the uptake for uh, SPE uh, in the uh, in the industrial uh, automation side, or uh, you know, have you been tracking a, a fair amount of uh, of uh, momentum for uh, uh, smart buildings and uh, enterprises uh, bringing in uh, SPE for connectivity? So, unfortunately, the um, adoption rate is not 
exactly rapid. Um, the technology is still seen as interesting by a bunch of people, but the portfolio of product is is a little low. We sort of have a chicken and egg problem. It's like, well, I'd like to consume it, but have I get it, right? And then it's like, well, I'd like to build it, but who's going to consume it? Um, I think at the minute there is um, there are people doing, there are people actually doing stuff in mainly the process control industry and also into building automation. So adoption is absolutely not where I would love to see it be. But I think sometimes sometimes things just run slower because of the the marketplace we're selling into, right? The you know the the things that drive technology changes in companies like uh, in major manufacturing companies or mining companies are very different to what drives the technology changes in the hyperscalers, right? It's a very different thing. For instance, if you lose power to data center, that's unfortunate, and stuff spins up somewhere else. <laughs> All right. So on the question of single percent adoption, um, unfortunately, it is slower than I would have desired. Because I've been telling this story since, I mean, the standard was done in 2019. I've been telling this story since probably 2018. But the thing to remember is that the in the OT world, and I'm talking building and industrial automation, right, customers are very risk adverse. I mean, if you think about it for a data center, particularly for the hyperscalers, if you lose power to the entire data center, it's okay. They just basically move the workload somewhere else. If you lose power to an aluminum smelter, it freezes, right? Undoing that is really hard. And so they're... By nature, these guys are really conservative. I think what's going to make it succeed is they have a real need, right? There's the transition to industry 4.0. They basically need to figure out a way to make all their stuff smarter. And to do that, they've got to make that transition, right? Which is, I mean, that's the transition that IT did, you know, late 80s, early 90s, where we went from the, the word super protocols and interfaces to IP and Ethernet. But it's just going to take a while. And we have a bit of a chicken and egg where, where it's the, well, I love this technology. What can I buy? Oh, not much. Well, I, you know, like I want to build this technology, but who's going to buy it? And so we have a bit of a chicken and egg at the minute. Um, you're seeing some adoption in some of the process control industries, and you're also seeing it starting to come up in some of the building uh, control, building automation industry. So I have some hope that, you know, over the next couple of years, there'll be some really successful deployments, and everyone else will go, "Hang on, yeah, we can move forward with this." It's just, you know, it's somewhat annoying, but it's it's a a friend of mine says. This is the thing with oughtness, like it's just ought to happen. So it's going to get there, just taking longer than I'd hoped. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, issues uh, in this world, uh, in this day and age that uh, fall into that category. Um, we're coming to the end of our time. Uh, Sam, I wanted to ask you uh, one more question. I read something on the EA website uh, asking you about your work as HSN co-chair, and you uh, mentioned... Uh, all the work that you've been doing with uh, modules for. Yeah, uh, sure. Can you uh, delve into that a little bit for us? Yeah, happy to. Um, so in my in my uh, work life at Intel, we, like I said, we do a lot of customer enablement and from that debug. So when link doesn't come up, you know, my team gets called. And what we found, uh, at least in our current technologies, and this, this can change that goes through phases, but one of the biggest problem areas we see is between the host systems and the modules themselves. So it's not our ability to necessarily get link with the link partner. It's it's the, the cable that gets plugged in or the, the transceiver, um, recognizing what type of a cable it is, what its capabilities are, configuring it properly, communicating with it. There's um, all of these issues that we run into in that space. And uh, I see the Ethernet Alliance being uniquely positioned in a way to help improve that. Um, there are, you know, there's clear 
clearly defined electrical standards that say, hey, here's how your phi needs to work. And you hook it up to an oscilloscope or a bird or whatever. We, you know, we have all of our validation gets validated and the standards do a great job of making it that if everyone is playing nicely and, and is conformant, then you have a very good chance of being able to establish that link. From a module standpoint, um, there it's a lot harder to enforce sort of the what I'd call the functional side. Uh, you know, the module has an EEPROM in there that tells you what the compliance codes are, what how much power consumes, all of these things. But there's no there's nothing to necessarily enforce that configuration, and and um, there's a little bit of I'll call say ambiguity in some of the how people implement it. We see a lot of vendor to vendor variation. And I, I believe that the Ethernet Alliance could help um, standardize some of that, uh, some of those areas where if we make a stand, we say, yeah, okay, maybe it's ambiguous, maybe it's not, but here's how we interpret it. And we're going to support testing of in alignment with how we believe it's supposed to work. That can help drive the industry towards um, more consistent implementation for, for modules. And we're going to start that with a plug fest, right? So um, we have a, a plug fest coming up in one month where you know, it's open to the whole Ethernet world, uh, Ethernet Alliance members and others. And you're welcome to come and join us. Uh, maybe by the time this airs, maybe it won't be a month, but May 1st <laughs> at, uh, at UNH and supporting testing on every, any um, Ethernet component. So FIs as well as transceivers modules from 25 gig and up. You know, whatever participants want to test, we will be there to help facilitate that interoperability testing. And I'm I'm uh, working on implementing a new test plan for this event for the first time. We'll we'll be looking at some module specific type of um, implementations characteristics, as well as not just doing end to end interoperability testing, but doing host to module interoperability testing and showing that okay, this module works with this host and it works the way we expect. The module gets configured properly, it's reported to the right type, things like that. And when we find issues, which I'm certain we will, we'll help you know resolve them there at the at the plug fest. That's one of the great values of that event. But I think uh, my intention is to have that lead us to what I'm viewing as like a, a module conformance um, test suite where we could, uh, you know, if in my in my long-term vision, you could have something like the POE certification program where you could say, yes, this. And maybe not exactly the same as that, but that you know, Ethernet Alliance has given this module the stamp of approval that uh, it it properly complies with the specifications that it strives to be adherent to, and it works the way it's supposed to. And um, I think that that could help unify some of that variability that we see, and could help solve one of the the biggest challenges that we see sort of in the layer one um, uh, Ethernet world, from my perspective. Awesome. So Thanks Sam, for this that. is you all can... about this is all about driving consumability of the technology, right? We have to make it so that it just works. You know, that's the promise. And you make the point that there's there's a lot behind it, but that's where we want to get to when people are consuming this stuff, right? We need to figure that out before they have to plug it in and figure out it doesn't work. Exactly. I look forward to uh, covering that uh, plug fest. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll make it up there in person, although Patrick and I uh, did go up there and visit uh, one time because we're based in uh, New Hampshire. So we yeah, got a tour of uh, the lab. But uh, thanks for those insights. Uh, Peter, I think I gave you the last word. I, I was going to ask you, uh, 
uh, sort of to wrap up, what else, uh, you know, what, what's on the horizon uh, for the rest of the year uh, beyond, beyond the plug fest in, in, in about a month for, uh, for Ethernet Alliance? Mm, okay, so we have, we're hosting the 802.3 interim in May in San Antonio. We're involved, there's a 50th Ethernet anniversary event that's happening at Computer History Museum uh, sometime can't remember it might be may um, and i know that's available for remote registration people can go and see that um, we're trying to set up for a single pre-exonet plug fest later in the year we're trying to drive um you know further adoption of the poe certification um we we just have stuff to go and there's i think we have another show coming up which is ecoc which is one i might have to go to because i might go to because i'm it's in europe um we're doing some work with the european photonics integration consortia um there's lots of stuff to do, right? There is no end of things we can do to be telling the um, the story, the story and the value of Ethernet. Well, we'll be here to cover uh, all of it. Thanks for that uh, update. Single pair Ethernet uh, plug fest. That that sounds uh, like something we'll definitely be interested in uh, in covering. So. Um, I want to thank both of you uh, for joining us uh, today here on the cabling uh, podcast. Uh, Peter and Sam, I really appreciate your uh, you joining us from the Ethernet Alliance. Absolutely. Anytime, Matt. You know, we're as you know, we're, we're we're happy to come back. This is a fun conversation to have, and I really yeah. think it's important for us to communicate with your audience. Yeah, uh, happy to do it, and nice to meet you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, thanks to both of you. Um, take care, and we will circle back with you. All right, have a good one. Bye. Thank you.